I always used to give Owen Sheehan a good bit of grief for his power rankings. They aren't easy, Will. As a group, as players, we have not done one minute of video analysis of any team this year. The Club Championship Show. Subscribe to the GEA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. Get more of the sports you love on Sports Extra with BT Sport and Premier Sports. I'm prepared to end it my well, do it then. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should it be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Oh. All right, it is that time of the evening. It is the football show, so it's time to uh, sit back and relax and pour yourself a cold or a hot glass of whatever it is you're having yourself. We're with you for the next hour. Adrian with you until 10. And a little bit later on, we're going to be chatting to Marcela Mora uh, Iarajo. We're going to talk to Marcela about uh, dancing Brazilians and the possibility of uh, Brazil-Argentina semi-final. Well, wouldn't that be uh, absolutely delicious? Before all of that, Dan McDonnell from Qatar. Come on in, Dan. Hi, Adrian. How are things? How are you getting on? Good. Good. Um, everything is fine I mean, here, Adrian. Yes, I'm really enjoying yeah. the experience, and I must not say yeah, too much. Everything is, everything is wonderful. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean it's it's um, what are we a couple of weeks in? Um, for the past the halfway point, yeah, I can enjoy enjoying the football. Obviously, um, you know, there's other aspects of the competition has been well documented and, and been writing about them. Um, obviously, not not so great, um, but it's 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 sort of part of the uh, yeah. It's the this is the story of this World Cup, you know, like the the what I've said it before coming over here. Like uh, the the history of a World Cup is always wrapped around the venue, and obviously, you know, particularly pronounced in this case. Yeah, um, we might talk about some of those stuff maybe uh, even to kick off with because obviously we're on the eve of the uh, World Cup quarterfinals now and uh, the reporting from Qatar today about a man named Alex uh, who's in his early 40s, he's from the Philippines. We've been using that vague old catch-all phrase um, about migrant workers up to this point and uh, now that there's actually some details about somebody who's passed away this week we might use them but um, Alex fell to his death while carrying out repairs it's reported on a resort which has been used previously by the Saudi Arabia team still be decked in all the um, FIFA uh, livery um, and uh, FIFA have issued a statement to say that they're uh, saddened by it and there's been other statements that have followed as well uh, but it's brought back up um, the agenda Dan a little bit of the conversation around the outrageousness of some of that stuff that's happened with migrant workers over the last decade have you felt that conversation on the ground there or how has that been yeah and I mean it's I suppose it's it's, it's striking as well like the, the case you mentioned yeah, like the, you have a, you have a name um, like you have you know you just have Alex you know you don't necessarily have a huge amount of detail um, and obviously like there's a real fear um for staff on the ground or, or people working here to, to sort of speak and, and tell their stories. You know, there, in many cases, there are sort of a lot of sort of faceless characters um, because they're sort of, I don't know, fearful about uh, the consequences of maybe speaking out about uh, their situations here, their working situations here. I mean, all you can go off is your, your own sort of uh, your first hand uh, impressions of it um, and like it's, it's certainly uh, you know I, I've had sort of conversations you have conversations with people you know in taxis or shops or, or you know various members of staff and, and again like you can't generalise you can't say every you know everyone is living the same experience you know some people are, are, are you, you chat to them and they're, they're reasonably happy with their life here but obviously very aware of um, 
the idiosyncrasies of the place and and the the sort of the more worrying aspects of the place the the fact that you know the they don't have any real sort of uh you know union protection or anything like that you know they're obviously very aware of of uh the implications if they complain like you, you chat to someone who, say, who could tell you a story but i think that we're going to just have to uh knocked Dan off the line there and uh, try and re-establish contact with him uh, there just a bit of a dip off in Wi-Fi you're back Dan sorry Adrian I don't know what happened there just um, um, yeah you were just talking about chatting to some of the local people some of whom um, or, or the yeah the stories around the migrant workers at least seem happy with their lot but I mean look at it, it's hard it is hard because you're not there with a direct brief obviously to get stuck into that area in terms of like the response Dan right like it um from the stuff that I've read, it seemed like you know a lack of safety equipment provided, either provided to or used by uh, Alex, who was dispatched to fix lights in a car park. We're told, um, and is one of the near uh, six and a half thousand, of course, depending on uh, where your sources lie. Um, people that looks at the minute who uh, won't be counted as a death uh, relating to the World Cup, as it wasn't an official FIFA site, um, and and the response from officialdom just it's. Um, like it's head scratching in that in the in the almost lack of awareness from them about managing the message almost even at this stage. Yeah, I mean, and like this is the thing about uh, Qatar, and the, you're right. Like there's sort of a, a dispute around like the, the the number of deaths, and 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 I think at one point they were trying to claim there was about maybe three people mm. you know had died working on the stadium. Now they've they've revised that upwards, um, and I think like you can dispute the specifics of of you know specific numbers or figures and they have done that but what is definitely can't be disputed is like the high number of unexplained deaths that there are and there have been in Qatar over the last uh, decade you know that uh, in most countries you know you have, you have to register a cause for death and there's a very very small number of uh, unexplained uh, deaths whereas in Qatar the figure is incredibly high the percentage is incredibly high um this one has been reported. It's very, I mean, I, I know that sort of, you know, accidents on sites do happen, you know, but it's obviously just the fact that it, it, it's tied in with this sort of uh, this large figure over a period of time. And yeah, I mean, the response, what the, what was the quote, uh, you know, that death is, is, is natural, you know, in, in, in life, you know, and in, in whether it's work or in your sleep or sort of words to that effect, you know, um, it doesn't, it doesn't come across particularly. It doesn't well, quite capture it, yeah. And there, there, no. there was the the uh, you know when the the CEO was on Piers Morgan, which I'm sure was a show like me, Dan, that you were uh, you're uh, a regular viewer of. It was uh, you know the the old cliche about one life being too many, and then you just had uh, like the FIFA general secretary uh, Fatma Samora out today or in the last 24 hours at least saying that it wasn't appropriate that she was asked about this even from a reporter uh, Neil Barker from SNTV. Uh, she was attending a FIFA conference. Almost how dare he sort of bring this up and then you had Nasser Al-Qatar uh, who was in the same vein uh, Qatar 2022 CEO you know just incredulous that they're getting asked these questions uh, the, the overarching point for me Dan is slightly bizarre in that they stu- they do seem to accept that there have been six and a half thousand deaths in the country it's just like where those are appropriated and ultimately who cares where they're appropriated like it's it's un- uh it's not not in, not up for discussion that they've happened. It just seems so bizarre that, um, like you know, look at. I think overall it's important for us to have this conversation because I do think in a couple of weeks' time, when all this is done, that that the circus, as I've said before, moves on and, and nobody discusses it anymore. I think whatever uh, uh, spotlight we can give it now 
um, is is all it's ever going to get, right? Because I think once this thing moves on in a couple of weeks, it moves out of people's consciousness. We all forget about it. We talk a little bit about the World Cup and this stuff, it becomes a footnote. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I know they're talking about maybe going for the Olympics and, and mm. I assume they still want to bring some big sporting events here. So I think they possibly will see people in time, um, you know, referring back to, to Qatar and, and seeing what's happened. I mean, this is the thing about visiting here now for the tournament. I mean, we're not seeing the, the, the real Qatar as, a, as it normally functions. Like a lot of the construction projects have stopped. You know, they didn't want people to necessarily uh, be able to film or capture, you know, take photos of sort of uh, people working, you know, outdoors and sort of pretty like, I mean, it's, it's, it is winter here. Um, so it's not as oppressively warm as it, as it as it will be, you know, in the in their summer months. But um, they have like stopped a lot of the the work that would normally be taking place here. So mm. I think if you were to, if someone was to come back next month, they would see a completely different picture. I mean, I had a, a cab driver the other day who works in construction who's just become a cab driver for the month, and a lot of people have done that. There's a lot of like taxi drivers who are just. Um, you know, they, 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 their their job has stopped, and they need to find something else for the month. So again, like you know, the, the picture that people are getting in their time here isn't actually really reflective, possibly, of the real Qatar in a lot of ways. And that's something you have to be conscious of when you uh, when you hear some of the reviews from people about you know how, how wonderful a time they're having. I mean, th- that doesn't have any like this is a this is a show that rolls in and and exists off its own rules to a point. Um, for a month and then yeah, normal life here will continue from next month and that's going to be a very different normal life for a lot of people that are here Can I ask you about that like normal life bit and um, like look uh, I think Gavin Cooney was making the point uh, on this show and elsewhere as well over the last 24 hours that how are we supposed to know about normal life where being sort of whisked around sort of almost Disneyland-esque from, from one venue to another as tends to happen at all of these tournaments but the stuff like the, the and I only ask it really Dan in terms of the point that you valid point that you make about the Olympics and other major sporting events potentially coming down the track the stuff that Gary Neville and like Richard Keyes and the uh, World Cup CEO uh, Tal us about the slow improvements around conditions there, the treatment of gay people, the demolition of the kafala system. Have you any sense as to, like, is that a PR job or is there, is some of that actually uh, rooted in reality? Well, I mean, I, this is the thing, like, you know, you would you would chat to people who would, who would you know, I would have had a conversation with someone who would have spoke about uh, times recently where, uh, you know, the non-payment of, of workers, like, would be an issue and, uh, a couple of people went out onto the street to, to protest and, and his claim was that those people were were then deported for for doing that you know and there's still um you always have this element of um you know is the issue really just with rogue companies as opposed to Qatar the state which would be a, a sort of a, a, a quite a common defense you would hear is that you know Qatar can't claim responsibility you know for the actions of of every employer operating within their jurisdiction even though everything within the, this jurisdiction is controlled you know from 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 above like from the top you know so um no and this is the thing like you, you can't you, like you can't really get that sense like i i saw uh, miguel delaney had a piece where it was I thought it was a good line and it sort of resonates a bit. Like people make a reference to the locals, but actually, like the locals aren't, like you, during my time here, I haven't really encountered anyone who's from Qatar, you know, as in yeah. you, you see people walking around, but I haven't had a conversation with anyone because they're not doing any of the, 
the sort of the the jobs that are left to the people who are pointing you to the metro, who are, uh, you know, the the security staff and hotels or the, the places where you encounter people. It's all, uh, you know, this this is where all the migrant workers are. You know, this is how society functions here. They are the engine that sort of drives the whole place. Um, and yeah, like within that, like there is obviously just a sense that yeah, like to some people here, very. I mean, I've chatted to a couple of people who are very content with their life, but even they will say that they accept that they are the luckier ones. You know, they know that they are the luckier ones because they all know of people living in pretty difficult uh, conditions. And uh, so uh, I know that the point will be made that there have been improvements in recent years that 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 Qatar might be a further along the road than some other places even in this in this region mm. um but it's still clear that that they have a hell of a road to travel there's enough stories have come out about um various sort of uh, uh like you know episodes that have occurred to, to to people isolated but again it's very much out of sight as i said like we're seeing a uh disneyland definitely is something that springs to mind when you have all these games you can go to and these clean metro stations and everything looks wonderful but it's sometimes it's what you don't see as well and i think even around where i'm staying there's a lot of um just like a like a lot of abandoned sites and a lot of stuff you know seems to have they've, these buildings and they've they're looking for someone to fill them like you know there's advertisements everywhere for you know office space for for hire and I asked someone about this, and they're like, "Yeah, this is all around the city, but they they don't have, they don't have the 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 businesses to go into them." So, um, I don't know. Like, I I, I part of me would be fascinated to come back in four or five years and to see, you know, because it is obviously trying to like style itself as, you know, as, as a rival in some ways to Dubai and the whole David Beckham thing. If you're if you're flying, uh, on Qatar Airways here, like there's a in-flight movie of david beckham and it's called like david beckham's qatar stopover or words to that effect so they're clearly trying to like aim it at that sort of high-end tourist market but mm. it doesn't appear to be finished in a lot of ways and i don't know yeah it's it's uh you really are like you're you're, you're examining everything you see uh, all the time to see yeah. is is this is this real if it's, uh, if it's good enough for Bex, it's good enough for me. Like I can, I can, I can mix it with Bex. If uh, you know, it's oh, a sort of a weird. Like, yeah. uh, it's a. I always find yeah. that one is a slightly weird one. Uh, um, mm. what, ju- one last one on it, Dan. Right, because I, 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 I think it was important to talk about it. Right, and we will we'll talk about the quarterfinals upcoming. And I know you were at the Louis Van Gaal press conference today, so I definitely want to get your insights on that. But you- football on off the ball with sky all the football you love in one place across sky sports bt sport and premier sports you're obviously uh i don't think it's any disrespect to say a veteran now these tournaments what is your if you God. if you <laughs> i say it with, with respect i've been at some of them with you mm. um what the what's the uh if you were to forget about all that stuff we've just been spoken about and you were just dropped in there without the context of all of that stuff that's been going on over the last few years what's your sense of it as a tournament versus some of the other world cups or yours you've been at yeah, um, no, I think, I mean, uh, I think the group stage was good, you know, I think, uh, I think, again, like, it's, it's such a strange tournament because of the amount of games you can attend, like, it doesn't even compare to other tournaments in some ways, like, you're able to go to, like, two games per day, um, so you've probably seen a lot of football, actually, relative to, to previous tournaments, and probably a little bit, have a little more of a sense of, you know, I've seen a quite a large number of teams and a large number of games, 
Um, and from perspective of like the level of the football, I think it's been I think it's been good. Um, I think um, uh, you know the the the, uh, the drama of the group stages at the end of it was was up there with probably favorably with it, with any sort of group stage of recent memory i think and like also drives home the madness of potentially changing that format in four years time um which is again like one of these things that will annoy you like the world cup works as it does you know and it's such a it's such a great competition as it as it stands and it doesn't need to be tinkered with and it doesn't need to be tainted by you know being being brought to the wrong places um and you know it's it's uh, i think as a football experience been able to see a lot of games yeah it has like it's been it's been good i think i mean the round of 16 didn't necessarily ignite but the in some ways like the reward for that is that you have these heavyweight quarterfinals that are coming up you know that in some ways uh, you didn't want too many shocks at that stage because it's sort of created a drama now that does exist around the last day and i think there's eight good stories in there I love uh, I love a good good lot of heavyweights in the quarterfinals. I won't lie, don't like to see too many minnows getting in there. What? Uh, how many of these games are you going to get to? Well, no, they they just it'll be two. So um, they they don't allow you to do two games per oh, day. Oh, do they not? In the, in the in the knockouts, in the no knockouts, way. they don't. No, no. Even no, though so, geographically uh, it easily done, I presume it could be done feasibly. Yeah, and there obviously will be uh, there will be FIFA people doing it. I mean, Infantino will be on the will be on yeah. the screen one minute into it mm. uh, into all of the games but no media wise no I, I, I suppose the reason for that would be extra time and, and penalties and, and the delays caused by that um, I presume so, yeah, there's I'm a clamour for the two late games is there in that case so I, I'm going to the two late games to, to Holland Argentina and England and France yeah, yeah um, and yeah there, I, I think the thing is there is a clamour for these games but uh, Brazil are still a huge draw obviously as well for obvious reasons so the fact that you've got Brazil and Argentina mm-hmm. on the same day is possibly divided um, some of the media hordes that were here so uh, I've got into the game anyway I think some people might have been a little bit nervous about being rejected but that hasn't proven to be the case there might be uh, there might be a few empty seats that they might be able to uh, the one thing that we're, we're fairly certain of what um, mm. the, I was sort of slightly on the fence to be honest about the Netherlands uh, Argentina game until I saw some clips from the Louis van Gaal press conference today and now I'm firmly I want, Argen- I want uh, Netherlands all the way here I have to say keep them in the tournament as long as we can what happened? Yeah, well, I mean, he's, he's sort of a, he's sort of in feisty form, Van Gaal. Now, I suppose like this isn't a huge surprise. I mean, you, I suppose remember his time at Manchester United, he would have had some back and forths uh, with various people. But mm. I think like uh, a theme of the, the Dutch tournament has been uh, the style of play that Van Gaal is playing. Um, you know, in Holland they would view like the the wing back system. You know, the three five two or five three two or however you want to describe it as quite defensive and against their traditional principles. And he's received criticism from that you know throughout the tournament. And he seemed to have come to the press conference today in the mood to uh, have a few digs at people, uh, regardless of whether they ask questions or or if the subject matter had come up. Uh, or not so yeah i mean from the start like he's 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 been asked about um the fact that, and this is true like I mean, they will be comfortably outnumbered in the stadium the 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 holland fans 
Argentines. Like, I think, you know, he, he was making a reference to the fact that, oh, yeah, there might be 40,000 Argentines there and only 1,400 Dutch. But then he did make the point of saying that's 400 more than some people were uh, expecting. And he named this journalist who's been writing negative columns about him. It was but like a Dunphy Jack Charlton style thing or something because this critic was in the audience, you know, and then later asked a question that uh, Van Gaal didn't like at all um, and, and had, a, had a go back at him. Uh, so the story then transpires, and look, we're getting this through the, uh, through the year piece because it's, it's a back and forth in, in Dutch. Um, and the interpreter, I have to say, and I was working overtime here because there was a real sort of uh, argument of some descriptions, but it turns out that this reporter had filed a story earlier in the week about finding Van Gaal's phone in a toilet. Um, and he had found... Van Gaal's phone, and he recognised it was Van Gaal's phone because there was a picture of Van Gaal with his wife as the sort of screensaver. And it's, I mean, it's just a really bizarre story, even as you're telling it. It's just yeah. a bit odd, you know. And like Van Gaal refused to take a question from him uh, about defensive tactics or something. And then, you know, you can make your own answer up just like you did finding my phone in the toilet and like <laughs> everyone in the room is a bit like what, what what's actually happening here like what's going on here and uh like memphis then this 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 guy asked memphis the pie if if he thought of van gaal as a bit like an embarrassing uncle or a fun uncle um and Depay didn't like that question either. So there was just a weird little bit of a vibe to it. But the next minute he was like cracking jokes and laughing about how, uh, you know, he, he was going to give Memphis a, a big kiss now, you know, because mm. they got on great. They didn't always get on great. And like on the way out of the room, he was smiling and, you know, chatting and posing for a selfie with people. So like one minute you could you could listen to one clip and say, God, he was in really bad form today. And you could listen to another and say, geez, he was in great form today. But the whole thing was sort of, it's kind of box office in its own way. Like he's actually just this big personality mm. who's like very at ease in this room of the international media. It's like this is where he was born to be. Um, but they are the underdogs, and and possibly like he he he's, he's at pains to point out that the style of football that they're playing is the way you need to play now to to succeed, and that is basically the underlying message that ran through the whole thing. Yeah, and I like look at maybe Australia played above themselves, and uh, that's Argentina have a higher ceiling to get to. It'll, it's a it is in some ways a hard one to call. Um, your expectation then on, on uh, Saturday evening, Dan? What's the football coming home, or what are we thinking at this stage? Um, I'm not sure if it's coming home now, um, but you certainly look at that England team, and you think that at some stage in the next decade, it probably probably will come home, mm. um, just with the profile of their squad. Um, I'm not so sure. I mean, I've been to, I've, be, I've seen probably more fans than England um, here, just in terms of the games I've been at. And the one thing you can't get away from it's just such an obvious point. But like, it's just Mbappe's form is just out of this world, you know, and mm. practically like very you know, almost impossible to defend against in some ways. And even even Poland, like you know, Poland probably did a lot of the right things. Um, to counter him, and they still, well, he still scored two amazing goals. And um, I think the England side are really good. I think they're capable of beating France. There's a lot of reasons to believe, you know, you can construct an argument as to why they will do it. Um, but I just think maybe that the French front for the movement, even of Griezmann, who's been very, very good in that role, and that even if England get a little bit distracted by the Mbappe task, it just opens up uh, options for other players. So. I'd be leaning in, in the way of, of, of France just about doing it. But I have to say, I think if England got through 
Um, I, although Portugal were very good, I still think I'd possibly fancy England against the winners of the other um, of the other quarterfinals. So I really feel like this is a this is a huge game for them. You know, it's 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 definitely there for them. I think it's a fair point. Uh, I don't know. Certainly, one of the joys of being at uh, covering a major tournament like that is that you just get to focus on it and nothing else for the duration. So I don't know if Martin O'Neill's comments have bubbled into your timeline over the last twenty-four hours. So this is to do with Declan uh, Rice and Jack Grealish. Exactly. Yeah, he yeah. said that he was. Uh, you know, he didn't want to coerce them into playing for Ireland. Yeah, that it was the wrong he, thing to do. He's a, he's a, to summarise it, try, try and summarise it as succinctly as I can, uh, he said that, you know, the question came up about the two lads playing for Ireland and he said, look, he gave them friendly matches, didn't want to just cap them at full senior international level in a proper capped game for the sake of doing it and coerce them into playing for Ireland that it needed to be a decision that they were happy and comfortable with to make themselves. I have to say, I kind of felt as if it made some sense what he was saying, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think there's, there's almost two different cases, right? The, the Grealish one, um, you know, you would chat to people who were around the dressing room with Grealish even at 21's level, and I think there was people who always had the sense that he would jump, you know, or had a feeling that his, his preference was to go that way. I think the Royce one is the uncomfortable one for O'Neill still. And, like, I, at the time, I wouldn't have been madly critical of him because... You know the whole concept of bringing someone on, you know, against Moldova, you know, in the 90th minute to tie them down, like I wouldn't be crazy about it. Mm. Um, but then, as it happened, like an O'Neill's last uh, game in the job, he did bring on Michael Obafemi at the end, and it did seem like he'd sort of changed his policy to some degree. Like he was capping someone a little bit ahead of schedule, um, just maybe to to get them to get them tied down. Um, I, I think like the, the Rice one, it is the fact that like he was, he did play three games for Ireland. Like he was um, in the middle of it, um, and you do feel the previous autumn, if he had been called in, would he have backed out? I'm not so sure. You know, I'm not so sure that he would have. Uh, like we, in a way, like we just have to get over it and get on yeah. with it. You know, um, but Rice was was. Uh, I think they just didn't envisage that Rice would go. No. Um, you and know, also, and if he'd have stayed, he would have, like, people make decisions in life all the time about what to do. And if he'd have made that decision, he'd have been just as comfortable with it and he would have been on board and playing as many games. And I don't know. It's a. Uh, yeah. The only thing is, though, like, you see, you do see other nations, like, you know, Wales have been pretty good at, like, getting people into their setup and, and keeping them there and um, fending off sort of other, uh, other associations. And I still think there's. There, there are other managers who would have, you know, approached it differently, and they might have had more success with Rice. They might have, like, they might have been able to tie that. Yeah, I, I, it's, 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 it's just like we, we. This keeps coming up as a talking point because, like, they are two players that, like, Ireland really need. <laughs> you know, like they are the the skill set they have is almost what Ireland lack in their team, and that that makes it all the more painful. But um. You know, we have to get over it and 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 get on with it. Um, but it's it's still like, uh, yeah, it, it could have been handled differently. The Royce one, I feel, but I'm not sure. I still can't say with certainty if you would have reached the the the, the conclusion that Ireland wanted either. It might have forced his hand um, a little bit quicker to to make his call. Yeah. But, um, 
yeah. in hindsight, they're they gone now. In hindsight, they all yeah. get lumped in together. But I'm with you, and uh, you know, I do feel bad about asking the question, but at the same time, I felt uh, I felt obliged. It had cropped up, so hopefully, hopefully, yeah. it's the end of it. Dan, listen, enjoy the games over the weekend. Thanks, Millie, for that. Thanks, Adrian. Cheers. Football on off the ball with Sky, proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland women's national football team. This is News Talk.